0: listening to the Savvy Black Birther podcast, the show that brings you all things black birth, where listeners are educated, uplifted, and empowered into action. With your host, Takiya Sakina Ballard, licensed midwife. Hey, Savvy family, I am so happy to have you back for season two of the Savvy Black Birther podcast. This season will be more extensive than the first with a fresh and unique vibe featuring real, relevant, and relatable content for the black and brown birthing community. I'm extremely excited to share this season's content with you. So let me get to sharing so you can get to listening. In this episode, I've invited two individuals representing the community to discuss the concept of self-advocacy. One individual is a birth worker and the other a community liaison. Let's get a sense of who they are as individuals. Nicole Jean-Baptiste is a mother of two, a full-spectrum community-based doula, lactation counselor, yoga instructor, and oral historian. Of Southern American and Caribbean ancestry with roots in the Bronx, New York, she strives to center the borough and the Black experience in the birth and social justice activism in which she engages. Nicole currently consults for the New York City Health Department's Sexual and Reproductive Health Unit and recently serves on its COVID-19 Perinatal Task Force. She is the founder of Sesay Doula Services and co-founder of the Bronx Rebirth and Progressive Collective, a Bronx-based mutual aid group providing material resources and affordable doula services to Bronx residents. LaChandra Marcel Moore is the sole constituent affairs liaison to the office of New York State Senator Kevin Parker advocating on behalf of residents across the state of New York. Outside of her work at New York State Senate, she is the mother of two homeschool children and owner of RUTU Lobby, an e-commerce site dedicated to promoting Afro-Serenamese culture. Lachanda is valued in her field for her individualized approaches to matters relating to housing, health care, immigration, travel, food security, education, employment, and a host of other issues she credits her approach to her social work education at the age of 17 lachanda began attending york college one day shy of graduating from high school she completed the requirements for a bachelor of social work degree in four years allowing her to earn her masters of social work degree from columbia school of social work by the age of 22. lachanda was born to two undocumented immigrants for Suriname. Her parents were abruptly forced to emigrate to the United States following the 1980 Serenamese Crudita. In her formative years, LaChanda's parents decided to send her to live in the Netherlands with extended family. These experiences have helped to shape her worldview and fuel her desire to empathetically help others. So I want to welcome to the show, Nicole and LaChanda. Welcome, ladies. Thank you
1: for having us, Takia. Yes, thank you.
0: Okay, so our topic is um, self-advocacy. We're going to talk about what self-advocacy is. The title of the episode is Self-Advocacy, Understanding Your Rights and Learning How to Fight for Them. And I'm sure that a lot of our listeners have heard the word self-advocacy as you have been encouraging or learning about um. Birth work or learning about birthing in America, many many educators, many childbirth educators, many midwives, doctors, nurses, whoever, social workers, whoever is helping the birthing person may use the word self advocacy. And so we thought it a very uh, befitting conversation to have would be to want one that is centered around what is self advocacy and how do you actually advocate for yourself. So. When I was looking through the topics of self-advocacy and trying to have a definition of it, what I came up with was self-advocacy is learning how to speak up for yourself, making your own decisions about your own life, learning how to get information so that you can understand things that are of interest to you, and finding out who will support you in your journey. Uh, It's also learning and knowing your rights and and the responsibilities that you have to yourself, being able to problem solve, listen and learn, reaching out to others when you need help and friendship and learning about self-determination, especially in healthcare. Uh, Self-determination is the process by which a person controls their own healthcare. So we have today with us uh, advocates in the community of birth work. And so I have a question for you. what do you see or have you seen self-advocacy
1: displayed amongst the birthing community? Uh, I see that very often in the work that I do as a birth and postpartum doula mainly. Um, and you know what this looks like is people being confronted with situations that they are completely new to and that just in, in some ways feel wrong to the gut and you know in from a legal standpoint and also a, a health standpoint do not align with the, the folks's goals. You know, so it's they're they're in a space where they're being told by providers and sometimes it's a recommendation, other times it is like it feels like an order that they have to take one particular uh, route when it comes to their care and you know the trajectory of their pregnancy or birth. And They, this is not what they had in mind. There is loads of evidence-based research that suggests that their goals are perfectly attainable yet they are in a position where their provider is telling them, hey, this is the way that we need to go and there's no other alternative. And so in that respect, uh, self-advocacy is, absolutely imperative you know it's like okay I've done the research I also have a particular goal in mind and what I would like to happen now is for my provider to honor what those goals of mine are and to honor the one my body and and in some cases the fact that there is not an emergent situation present and therefore there is room for a discussion around this
0: Interesting. So, have you seen in your practice um, that self advocacy is something that is easily practiced by an individual, or is that something that is difficult for individuals to practice?
1: Yeah, I think that's a really important point because the short answer is no. What my experience shows me is that this is not something that comes as second nature to most people. And I think the reason for that is because we are of a generation or with the, of several generations into being in a in a system particularly a healthcare system where the norm the standard is for you to pretty much relinquish your your power to the system you know folks walk into folks become pregnant and without any without very much thought most people assume okay i i'm going to have my baby at a hospital and um, throughout my pregnancy, I'm going to do as I'm told because I should trust my doctors and they're the professionals. And so there's not very much of a conversation that needs to be had until you get into that situation where you realize, oh, we need to have a conversation. You know? So there's that, there is a, a lack of uh, preparation around uh, having to exercise that self-advocacy muscle, you know, especially for, um, black and brown folks in my experience absolutely
0: so lachanda um being a community advocate uh one that's out in the community one that is seeing policy disseminated from our our community leaders how have you seen um self-advocacy be something that is actually widely practiced or perhaps not widely practiced do you even think that the community even knows what self-advocacy is
2: as far as for the people that come to my office are very they're either they're at the they're at the beginning stages of understanding what advocacy it self-advocacy is or they've been doing it for a long time because the fact that you come to a state senator's office and you're asking for help um kind of lets me know that you understand that these are the people that are set forth for you for you to get assistance and not just assistance with just you know birth or um medical care but Advocacy all around, advocacy around um, your housing, advocacy around um, your rights as a parent, education. So I see um, there are quite a few people who are, you know, starting to get the idea and, and starting to use and flex that muscle, especially with everything that's going on um, politically in the country right now. That's a good point. I, I'm I'm tending
0: to see that as a midwife as well. That um, people are, are waking up to the idea that perhaps this society, this, this country was not, uh, well, we already know this country was created on our backs, but, but more importantly that perhaps programs and things like that and different um, policies have not been for our betterment. And so people are realizing that they have to take um, some self-reliance in the process of, of living and that they have to look to self and to community to support them through the processes of life, the human conditions, the things that we go through, which is birth and death and and living and and, experiencing life in in our community. So I think many, many people are waking up to that. Um, Where I think the issues may be is just realizing what self-advocacy is. I think a lot of people know that they have to sort of speak up, but how does one speak up and what does it really mean to speak up in an environment where you may feel lesser, where you maybe, may, maybe feel lesser in the fact that you may not have the same knowledge that the uh, healthcare professional has, or that you may feel like you um, may not be able to comprehend the information that's given to you as a, a, a consumer of healthcare. There are many ways to be a self-advocate but I think people think that self-advocacy re- means reliance on self. And so when I look at you know the definitions of self-advocacy and, and just in the definition that I read earlier, um, it talks about the things that interest you, prioritizing your own life and your decision, knowing your rights um, and the responsibilities that you have towards yourself. Those are things that do not require you to have you know a college education, or they don't require you to, be uh, an astute person um, that has degrees abounding behind your name, what it requires you to do is prioritize yourself. What it requires you to do is seek out the information. Um, And so that's very important for people to understand that they do not have to feel um, that they have to be so educated or, or you know, as educated as the healthcare provider. They just need to simply be educated in themselves. They need to simply just have the ability to prioritize and to ask questions and to seek out the information. The information is there for the seeking. Um, so let's talk about why self-advocacy uh, is so important. I think we alluded to some of those facts or, already, but what are some of the things that you guys are seeing in your practices as you are out in the community? The importance of self-advocacy.
1: I think you know one of the things that that you you both just mentioned is that the the tide is seeming to shift some, and that that's due in large part to the vast uh, media coverage. Really, that's that's what it is. I think the vast media coverage, as well as um, some more academic studies on. Uh, the impact of racial disparities on birth, right? Um, So we're, at one point it was feeling like we were being bombarded by stories of uh, maternal deaths, um, usually of black and brown folks, right? Um, So I think that, you know, people are becoming more aware of the fact that in the United States, black People, black birthing people are three to four times more likely to not make it uh, during childbirth or shortly thereafter, due to some complication related to that very normal and natural process, right? And um, so having that knowledge, you, you then begin to wonder, okay, what's behind this, you know? Um, so the things that are behind this are, you know, many instances that can be easily overlooked, but really need to be zoomed in on. Okay, when I have my my appointment with my provider, what, what are the things that I should be making sure I ask? You know, um, what are policies or, or common practices that I want to ensure align with my goals as as the birthing person you know as the pregnant person you know is this a provider that I feel truly listens to me you know is this someone who does not disregard uh my uh note my announcements of even a discomfort during your pregnancy, you know, it might very well be something minor, but it could also be something very serious. And regardless of what that is, I want it to be taken seriously. I want to be seen in a way that is safe and feels appropriate. Um, and in in no situation do should I ever feel like I'm being ignored or overlooked because in, in very, you know, real cases that could turn into an emergency situation that any everyone wants to avoid. I think it's solely def, you know important because it number
0: one self advocacy is necessary to reclaim and protect our voices. Our voices that have been um, taken um, you know from us. They have those voices have been stifled. Um, they have been limited in many different ways. And so, being a self advocate allows you to reclaim and protect your own voice. Um, and to um, put it out there so it can be respected and heard, um, this system is simply not designed to uphold and respect it. And so, by reclaiming it and protecting it and using your voice, um, you will likely be able to one advocate for yourself and two um, exercise your rights and and towards you know your health care. Um, so it's so important that we understand that. Self-advocacy is important for that reason, number one. And number two, to, like you said, Nicole, avoid a lot of um, unnecessary things that's happening in our healthcare system. For example, the medical bullying that is happening across this nation of all birthing bodies, more explicitly the black and brown birthing body, it is happening to them more explicitly and the unnecessary and costly medical procedures that are being performed on individuals when they're simply not necessary, especially for the uh, birthing person who is of of low risk category. So it's very important that we understand that we must um, learn to self advocate because of those situations. Um, And then lastly, we have to uphold um, our definition of what it means to be well and to have, a healthy existence. That's another thing that society tells us what health and wellness is. It's not formed from our own definition. And so if we want to practice self-advocacy. We have to one, uphold our own beliefs and our own standards when it comes to health and wellness and function and walk in that so that we are using the healthcare system a lot less than we need to. Um, And that will, again, protect us from unnecessary Um, interventions, unnecessary uh, use of the system, and and not feeling like we need to be sick. Obviously, a sick person uses the healthcare system. So if we want to protect ourselves from um, a heavily racist, a heavily biased system, we have to definitely practice wellness and healthy standards for our own selves. So it's so important that we understand that. Uh, Lachan, do you have any insights on what our community leaders are thinking about self-advocacy and how that um, affects uh, a person's usage
2: of of healthcare in America. Um, in dealing with professionals of particular any if any set, whether it be a lawyer, a doctor, anybody. I mean, they will they will overtalk you and they will sometimes overtalk you and overpower you and bully you because they assume that because you're coming from a particular, you're a particular race or you have a certain um, educational um, level that you don't know what you're talking about. Um, and I've seen with like parents with children with disabilities and they had no choice but to learn how to advocate for themselves like I, I noticed like even par- uh, people with um, family members in prison. Um, these, 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 um, these particular groups have learned to advocate for themselves and they're able to tell you the law better than. The people who write the law. <laughs> I've seen them come and meet with my boss, and they're talking to him, and they're able to tell him like this, 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 and the third. And that way, when they when they interact with somebody who's trying to bully them, I, I see I, I see them just take on for themselves. Like I'm just sitting there. I'm just am I'm, I'm learning from them. So you want to become that person that you know what you need better than anybody else, right? And your self advocacy is more effective once you understand your right. You understand your rights, you understand what you have, you understand who your allies are, you understand what belongs where, because a lot of times when people try to self-advocate, they don't, one, they don't understand their problem, right? They have an issue defining what their problem is. They might think, oh, well, my problem is my doctor, but only to come to find out your real true issue is actually your insurance company, right? And then who would then be your ally to go after the insurance company? You know, you might be wasting time on your doctor when that's not the problem, right? So understanding how to define your, your how to define what your problem is, knowing who your allies are, and basically knowing your problem, your cures, your treatments, everything better than anybody who's walking this green earth. Like that's, that's for me, self-advocacy. I see it works best when the person has these components on their side.
0: That's such a good point. Um, When you say uh, that you have to know your problem, I find that a lot of healthcare consumers don't honestly, like you said, know their problem. And it's so important because in order to know your problem, you need to know the different pieces to the puzzle to be able to define your problem. So you gave a wonderful example of, you know, I, I've had many clients come to me and say, well, Takiya, the insurance company didn't pay you. So they're thinking it's a problem with me, but no, the insurance company is not paying you because the insurance paying me because the insurance company doesn't want to pay the provider. Not because there's a problem with how the provider performed the the care or how the provider built it's the issue with the insurance company. And so you're absolutely right. There's a lot of pieces to, unfortunately, a very complicated healthcare system that consumers are just not savvy in. And so it's so important to understand all of the elements of something that you're going to navigate. You can't know how to navigate something if you don't have a roadmap in front of you. You don't, If you don't know all of the pieces, if you don't know what, the, uh, have a legend to that roadmap, you won't be able to navigate it. So it's so important to have that understanding and to be able to then define who you are and what you need within that system. Um, Thank you so much for saying that. So one of the things that I like to do whenever I give information to people is to really look at, you know, our ancestors have had to say, because they often have had a lot of poignant and a very, a lot of, a lot of very important things um, that have lended some importance in how we learn and what we're thankful for. Um, And so I tend to do a lot of, write a a lot of quotes or say a lot of quotes. But one of the things that I, um, as I was sort of looking around this topic of self-advocacy, I came across a quote um, that was said during a commencement speech in 2015 um, at University of Pennsylvania by an individual named Samantha Power. She's a Pulitzer uh, Prize-winning author and um, an individual who served as the 28th United States Ambassador to the United Nations. And in her speech, she quoted: "All advocacy is, in its core, is an exercise in empathy. All advocacy is, at its core, is an exercise in empathy." And so that made me think, you know, wow, you know, that's a to me a very powerful quote. So if we look at advocacy in all of its forms, it is an exercise in empathy. And when I think about self-advocacy, can a person have also then self-empathy? And I think that that is a very um, important question to ask. And so again, it kept me exploring and I wanted to find out if there was such a thing as self-empathy and if it could be defined. And what I was able to come up with was, that self-empathy is not a feeling of feeling sorry for yourself or bringing love to your own experiences. Um, That rather is self-compassion, but self-empathy is not the same as self-compassion. And often people get the two confused. According to the literature, and there's actually literature on on this concept, um, the literature about mindfulness and self-regulation, uh, there were two authors um, in that in 2015 defined that self-compassion involves treating yourself with the same kindness and concern and supports you show a good friend. That's what self-compassion is. Now, when we look at self-empathy, um, self-empathy actually is a means to observe in a very empathetic, non-critical, and open manner the aspect of yourself that experiences. So when you think about it, it simply just means that it requires you to notice and recognize what is happening to you while it's happening to you. And that made me think, wow, you know, there's so much of us that we uh, the world is happening around us, but we're not thinking about how it's happening to us, the world. And we're not thinking about how we are responding. We're not noticing how we respond to how the world is happening around us. And so that requires us to be empathetic to ourselves and to do it in a very non-critical and an open manner to see how it is that we are experiencing life. And so then that, made me think once i started to have better understanding of these terms could that be why we struggle with self-advocacy could it be that we struggle with self-empathy because that is not something that is widely recognized we would rather empathize with others than we would with ourselves we'd rather try to understand why why another person is responding to something And maybe understand from their point of view but sometimes it's hard for us to understand and empathize with ourselves and so when a pregnant person is going through the journey of pregnancy and they're encountering a person who is uh difficult or a provider who's not listening i wonder if we're able to empathize with our pregnant selves are we able to empathize as we're experiencing that are we able to set it set aside our judgments and things like that, and look at ourselves and say, wow, you really did not enjoy that experience. Let's do something about that. Voice Messages is designed to give listeners a way to offer spoken feedback directly to me, your host. You are important to me, and your concerns and questions are too. So I want to hear from you. Click the link in the show profile and record a voice message for up to one minute. Then click send this message and your question or comment may be featured in an upcoming show. It's that simple. Check out this wonderful offer from Nicole Jean-Baptiste of Cesse Doula Services. Are you a doula and do you often find yourself at a loss when it comes to covering you know, content with your clients each time you meet with them? Nicole is offering birth work or meeting outlines for just two bucks. This outline supports doulas and becoming more organized and focused as they meet with their clients. Those interested in becoming a doula or expanding their doula work can also book a 30-minute consultation and get more information on the ins and outs of doula work from Nicole. That's pretty cool. Go check her out. The link is in the end of the show notes. Are you enjoying the podcast? Make sure you never miss a show by clicking the subscribe button now. The Savvy Black Birther podcast is made possible by listeners like you. You may support the podcast directly by clicking the link at the end of the show notes. Your support helps me to keep bringing you real, relevant, and relatable content. Thank you so much for supporting this work. Now, back to the show. What have you guys seen in your practices in the community? Are people able to empathize with
2: themselves? Uh, that I think that's one thing I feel like they're strong in. Like they, they recognize that something's not right. And this is beyond just like the, 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 the actual technical part of it, something not being right. Like they just feel within your spirit, your, your body, you just know something is not right. You know that this is not how you should be treated. This is not how you will want to treat somebody else. Um, you know, it, it makes me think back to the day that I, when I was pregnant for the first time and I went to the doctor, only to find out I can't see the doctor from my sonogram because um, my something with my insurance wasn't right. But I knew I had active insurance. In myself, I knew like, this isn't right. Okay, even if I don't have insurance, like you should at least see what how I'm feeling, like see that everything's all right. Like, you know, this is a scheduled appointment. This is the life we're talking about. But that didn't matter to them. So I was able to empathize with myself. And I feel like a lot of times when people come into my office, they, they that's what brings them to me because they empathize with themselves. They notice that this is not how they should be treated. They 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 allow themselves to feel that um, and that's why they come in. But I feel those people who don't come, you know, who are not ready for the self-advocacy part yet, those people who don't even ask, you know, they don't even ask for help just yet. They just, like, those are the people you see, they come to the desk and they're like, oh, well, you can't be seen today. You don't have insurance. And they kind of look like, A little set shoulders and like kind of walk away and just like accept this as their faith like this is just how I just have to accept that this is what's going to keep happening to me, but people who self advocate I feel like they empathize with themselves a lot. Um, So so they're able to do that work that they need to get done.
0: And that's interesting that you say that because self-empathy and self-advocacy should go hand in hand. they are processes that should be happening parallel of each other. So the fact that you're saying that you see people who are able to empathize with themselves, then move on to advocate for themselves is an important um, sort of uh, hitting the nail on the head, a confirmation of what I just said. But what I see in my practice as a midwife, and I'm sure Nicole can probably you know, relate is that we're seeing the other side, that people aren't able to uh, take that step from self-empathy into self-advocacy. And I think, LaChanda, what you're seeing, because you're in an office where perhaps complaints come, perhaps where people, you know, air their grievances, you're seeing it combined. Um, But I find it as a challenge as a midwife that I am out, and I have been in the community, trying to get people to understand that they have the right once they empathize with themselves and they realize that something is not right and they're seeing you know, the experiences happen to themselves, right? they're feeling the experience, they're able to observe that. But once they do that and they know something's not right, is sometimes it just sits there and it doesn't go any further to, okay, let me figure out why you know, this is happening. Let me try to address this. What, I'm, what I see, and there are a good number of people who are doing that, more now, but what I have seen in the past is what you did describe, Lechanda, which is, I'm, you know, it is what it is. This has happened before, or we get conditioned to to thinking that this is normal, that the healthcare that we have been receiving or the lack of excellent healthcare is normal. That's routine.
2: Yeah, I to think um, when I because I had the experience of having being pregnant with Medicaid, and I thought sitting all day in the clinic was normal. Like, I figure, like, your appointment is 8 o'clock, you're going to show up at 8 o'clock, and then you can expect to wait an additional two hours and basically camp in the, the waiting room um, for, before a doctor comes and actually sees you, you know? So the expectation is that um, when you, you get healthcare with Medicaid, that you're, you're going to be waiting, that you're going to be, like, stopped to the back of the list, and that's how you're supposed to be treated.
1: Absolutely. Um, I I would just add that, you know, there is a a, a through line uh, of like this general disregard for the time of people who are poor, you know, because you see the same thing when you go to a public benefits office. So if you are going to uh, apply for food stamps, if you are going to uh, submit a recertification form for Medicaid, Um, If you are on Medicaid and going to your clinic appointments, the expectation now, because it's been learned, is that you're going to have to wait. And sometimes this is like an all day thing. You know what I mean? And I think that that also, it extends to the care that many uh, people receive as well. And I think that, you know, what it unfolds into is just this almost like an acceptance that this is everybody else I knew received a similar form of treatment. So this is just how it is. And I think that what that, for some people, I, I also wanna acknowledge that, you know, we, when we're speaking about um, folks who are poor, when we're speaking about black people, when we're speaking about brown people, um, we're not a monolith, you know? So like you will have pockets of people like we're beginning to see Takiya who are excellent self-advocates, you know, because they're like, I'm actually, advocating for myself because i heard about what happened to my home girl or you know i don't want that to happen because i saw that and i know that something's wrong you know whereas you do have there are for a long time and you know to till, till today there are pockets of people who are accepting this you know like this is this is just the way it is and i see it in other areas of my life as well and therefore There is either I don't know if it's that the equation in in the minds of some folks is that there's no sense in in advocating for themselves or if it's just from observation, knowing that it's either going to be a long road for seeing an outcome or it's unlikely that any uh, desirable outcome will be met. When I
0: was looking at the definition of self-advocacy, um, in that definition, it talked about um, learning about self-determination. Um, and when I define self-determination, it's basically a process by which a person controls something or some aspect right, of their life. And in this case, we're talking about um, the healthcare of an individual or how someone accesses healthcare, specifically a birthing person. Um, and so when we look at Self determination. I wonder how do we go through, or how do we inspire the community to number one, self um, to have that self empathy, um, and I think that's probably an easier thing because most people can obviously empathize with themselves and feel what's going on and and, and you know see how they're responding to a um, a particular situation. But then again, in some ways we've been conditioned as healthcare consumers to expect a certain level of care. And so therefore our ability to um, sense something is wrong might be affected by that expectation that we have. Next, we look at, you know, just the ability to advocate for ourselves. But in that advocating, we have to also have some type of de- self-determination. We have to decide that we are the individuals that control our own health care. And so I wonder, what do you think about that topic and how we can potentially, as workers within the community, as community outreach individuals, how do we inspire people to become self-determined?
2: You have to be clear that you matter um you have to understand that you matter and by understanding that you you put to action a protective barrier over yourself and you you make sure that you your self-interest and everything about you is protected at all times right so i it it should from that once somebody understands that and you're you're empathetic to yourself it everything just falls into place because you're not going to accept the slop. That has been handed to you by somebody else. You're going to stand firm, and you're going to let people know, respectfully, of course, that this is not okay. And you will also understand who your allies are. You will be able to network and make more allies, and and ensure that you your your self determination is always protected.
0: Absolutely, and I and personally, my opinion is that with self-advocacy, with, with you know all of these things, self-determination that we're talking about, we're talking about self-empathy, when we start putting those things at the forefront of our existence as healthcare consumers, as birthing individuals, then we begin to change. There's a specific change that has to happen within us. Uh, we have to change how we access healthcare we have to change um, our knowledge about healthcare in America. We have to change our knowledge about what it means to birth in America in a, a Black or brown birthing body. We need to change our, our mindsets around those topics so that when we are ready to do those things, where we're ready to embark on becoming a birthing person or... Um, be be a family member, member or support person to a birthing person, we need to keep those things in mind and, and, and accordingly act in a certain way, um, respond in a certain way, educate ourselves, and be prepared, be prepared to access the system in a way that is savvy, in a way that allows you to, again, like LaChanda said, uh, look for allies Tap into the community resources. See what they are. Educate yourself. Know your rights and know the responsibilities you have towards yourself. Understand, you know, and you don't have to go back to science class, but understand how your body is changing or how your your uh, loved one's body is changing and responding to pregnancy. Learn what can be normal. Learn what can happen and not be normal. Those are such important things, and I think once we start educating ourselves as healthcare consumers in that way, a process of change will happen. A pressure will be applied from the bottom um, from a great mass of people. And that is so important that we um, access this this system with that sort of intelligence, that sort of response. And once we start doing that, we can definitely um, start to put a protective measure around ourselves as we are becoming um, as we're using the healthcare system, um, I think that that bottom-up mentality is something that we also need to understand. That we're teaching people how we should, we want to be treated, um, and we're allowed, we're telling these individuals, these healthcare providers, these hospitals, this, this insurance networks, all of these things. If there were no consumer, there will be no system, and that's what we need to understand. That the power of the system also is is reliant upon the consumer. And the consumer must be savvier as we're accessing a very flawed system. Of course, the system needs to change, but the system is likely not to change very soon. It is us that also has to make that change in our own minds and in our own hearts. And so self-advocacy, self-reliance, self-determination, And self-empathy needs to be something that we exercise and we um, function in parallel of each other. It's a process of self-development for sure. So uh, do you guys have any words of wisdom that you would like to leave our listeners?
1: I would like to encourage folks to to become motivated by what can be, you know, you asked about what are some ways in which people can become inspired to become more self-determined to exercise um, more self-advocacy or advocacy on an even greater uh, plane, I, and from talking with people who are very active in the advocacy world, specifically related to birth, one of the things that pushes them forward is this vision that we have that our children and their children Will undergo the process of pregnancy and birth in a very different climate, one that feels a lot <laughs> freer, you know, a lot, um, a lot, just a lot more respectful, a lot more dignified, you know. There's less of a, there's just less of a struggle, you know. There's less of a need to self-advocate. So um, I, I do want to call uh, folks to. You know, do that visioning work and, um, yeah, imagine what could be. And hopefully that can be realized in our lifetime. Ashe. Um, For me, I would say...
2: um, Take on family planning before the pregnancy. So before you decide to get pregnant, um, you know, consider who your allies are already. What hospitals and facilities in your neighborhood would you like to visit and see um, how they take on you know pregnancy? See what your insurance is like. Um, does your insurance cover certain things? If I would like to go to a midwife, would my insurance cover that or this particular facility? Um, see if your job has any. Other additional supplement, uh, like additional um, benefits that could help uh, supplement your uh, your your costs as um, through your pregnancy. So they have uh, flex plans. Some companies have flex plans that will help with like um, buying like materials for your your birthing process, like maybe the pads, the, the the postpartum pads. That's pre-tax money you could start saving from your your account to pay for the little things that you need in your, in your pregnancy and in your postpartum care. Um, so basically just start the planning process before you even, you know, decide to have a baby. And that way you could kind of begin to, 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 to set yourself up for self-advocacy when you do become pregnant. Absolutely.
0: Thank you guys so much. I, you know, lastly would like to say that one of the biggest things to being an advocate and to self-determination self-reliance and all of those things, the wonderful things that we've been talking about is to never, ever, ever be a person that settles. Never settle. When you don't feel like something is right, when you feel like this is just off and I don't feel like I was well cared for or my questions weren't answered or um, I spent two and a half hours waiting for 15 minutes of care. Realize that that is settling for less, right? That that is not what you deserve, but you deserve more. Having a higher standard for yourself, having a higher thought about, hmm, I wonder if I would have gotten 30 minutes of time I've been able to have my questions answered looking at the standard of care the current standard of care the current uh, access that you have to care and start to question is that sufficient for you Are you feeling well cared for? Ask those questions. Those questions that those two and three-year-old and four-year-old kids always ask, why, but why, when, how? All those questions that we probably as adults try to stay away from, we need to be asking ourselves, is this sufficient for me? And am I happy in this situation? And if the answers are no, to those questions, then that becomes um, a problem. And it should be a problem because now you're beginning to empathize with yourself and you're beginning to realize that you need and deserve more. And from that empathy, you need to move on to advocating your, for yourself, asking questions as to why haven't I received this? What can I do? May, can I switch care providers? Can I switch hospitals? What if you don't like a certain situation? Can I do this? What are my rights? What are my responsibilities to myself? How can I move forward? And then after that, you're going to start to become more self-determined, more more determined to get what you deserve, more determined to look at your situation and help yourself and then help others. And so this is a process that you should definitely be ever evolving in. And you should definitely be considering um, a process for you, especially if you are going to, be a birthing person birthing in America in a black or brown body. So I wanna thank our speakers, our guest speakers today for joining us for this very important topic. And as always, it is our hope, my hope that you are inspired and educated and well-informed from the information. So thank you ladies, definitely for joining me for today's topic and thank you for the wonderful work that you continue to do in the community
1: no problem thank you thank you so much thanks so much for joining me for this episode of
0: the savvy black birther make sure to visit my website sakina health where you can find evidence-based information resources and more you can also follow me on instagram at sakina underscore health that's s-a-k-i-n-a And while you're at it, if you found value in this show, I'd appreciate a rating or review. And don't forget to tell that good friend so that this content can reach many more Black birthing families. Thank you so much for listening and be sure to tune in for the next episode. Be informed, be equipped,
2: and be savvy Black birthers.